0: Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Repeater and to a new year. It's officially 2017, and the garbage fire you could see from space known as 2016 is finally behind us. New year? New Pat. Really? Yeah. I bought a zoo. Right. Well, it sounds like we've got the same old Pat, and I am definitely the same old Evan. Are you sure you didn't buy a zoo? I am very sure. I still live in Queens where we record this show, and where we share an apartment. Can we get back to the intro?
1: Fine. Our guest for this episode is comedian Christian Finnegan, who you'll recognize from his stand-up specials on Comedy Central, his work on the sitcom Are We There Yet?, and plenty of other things on TV. He's pretty awesome.
0: Our musical guests are Connor Ratliff and Mikey Erd, who stopped by to play some secular holiday songs for us. Connor is an actor and comedian known for his work on The Chris Gethard Show, Search Party, and at UCB Theater in New York. Mikey is a local punk mainstay who plays in many bands, including the LLC, the house band of The Chris Gethard Show.
1: Now you know how those guys got together.
0: Yeah, pretty cool, right? Anyway, let's get to it. Thanks for being here. This is Repeater. But right now, let's welcome to the stage our guest for the night. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian, an actor, and a television host, Christian Finnegan. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Hi, everybody. How are you? Hello. Hi, Thank hi, you. hi. Welcome to the show.
2: It is a genuine pleasure to be here. Ooh. That sounded sarcastic. It didn't mean <laughs> to be. It's just the way it comes across and it comes out of my mouth.
0: Um. Yeah. We're uh, excited about this one. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. I'm glad we have a disclaimer <laughs> that at the start like of warning. the show now. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, but to kick things off, uh, welcome. And we want to talk about some new music, or at least music that is current in our lives. And why don't we have Pat start?
1: Oh, uh, what a surprise. Uh, I've been listening to Sharon Jones' uh, Christmas album. It is so good. Uh, it was my introduction to Sharon Jones. Uh, it's also a great holiday album. It's a Christmas album, but it starts off with a song called Eight Days of Hanukkah, uh, which is stuck in my head, and it's real good.
0: Yeah. Um, and she, uh, Sharon Jones, if y'all don't know, passed last month. Um, very sad, but I would say a very nice way to remember her this holiday season would be to listen to that album a lot um, and her entire discography, even. Yeah, that works. Uh, I've been listening to two albums a lot lately. One of them is Childish Gambino's new album. Um, It is called, I wrote this down. Awaken My Love. Awaken My Love. Uh, It's really good. And Pat seems to be listening to it as well, uh, (laughs) judging by his... Only read
1: about it. Oh, okay. (laughs)
0: Uh, And the other one I've been listening to a lot is uh, an album by... uh, The only album by Powerbottom. Very good. It's called Ugly Cherries. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you guys know Power Bottom, but they are no excellent.
2: vowels in the name, right? No, no vowels. vowels.
0: CWRBTTM, all caps. <laughs> they are very good. They're a duo, I believe, formerly a trio, and they kick ass. Uh, West Texas, in, in particular, is a song that I think is really great, and that everyone here would love.
2: I I love the idea of a band called Power Bottom playing in West Texas. Um, (laughs) I'm sure that would go over well. Don't imagine that going well over there.
0: (laughs) No, um, but yeah, they're fantastic. Christian.
2: Uh, Well, I you know it's the end of the year, so of course I've been scouring through everyone's year end of the year lists and stuff like that, and so I always feel like there's this just rush uh, late November and December of just me buying crap, and I don't even get to listen to it really until January, February, but. Uh, I have been, uh, kind of obsessed lately with this, uh, this band Pine Grove. Hmm. Uh, they they're, the dude's like, I don't know, 22 and makes me want to kill myself. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a band, but it's clearly like a one guy thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard. It's one of those bands, you know, that it's hard to explain what's good about it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Heat Miser, which was Elliot Smith's band before he went yeah, solo. Yeah. Uh, but just great just pop songwriting but like rock pop songwriting but just really wise beyond its years and uh, just every hook is great you know and and then there's a new Chavez song that kind of came Chavez was a band in the 90s that I was obsessed with and uh, just after 16 years they just put out one random song about a month ago which I've probably listened to a thousand (laughs) times so wow
0: they're not very interesting but trust me (laughs) (laughs) google it (laughs) awesome Uh, What song did you want to talk about tonight?
2: Well, uh, you know, when you asked me to do the show, uh, I am always looking for ways to waste time and especially (laughs) music related. Like if anybody asks like, hey, what's a good song to go to the post office to? Well, allow me to spend nine hours making a great post office playlist for you. (laughs) Uh, And so you asked me to pick a song. I think I sent you like 15. Oh, it's great. Uh, I sent a long list of songs. Um, The one I think we ended up settling on was uh, All Grown Up by Elvis Costello, Mm -hmm. which uh, Elvis Costello is one of my what I refer to as 50 plus artists, which I have Mm. five of, which are artists that I love at least 50 of their songs, uh, which in two of 40 percent of them died this year. (laughs) Uh, um, No, it's uh, Elvis Costello, Bowie, Prince, The Beatles and Stevie Wonder are like the five that that there are at least 50 songs that I genuinely love, not just like Um, and I I think the reason I picked, uh, I don't know why I picked All Grown Up, I guess it's because you know how there are songs that you love but then there are songs that you think of as your songs that you don't know anybody else who likes Uh, it's a deep cut on what is kind of widely perceived to be one of his worst albums Mm-hmm. which I love. Uh, and it's just kind of one of those things where you feel a sense of ownership over the song. Yeah. You yeah. know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, listen to a little bit of it uh, and then we'll talk more about it. So if we could play some of that tune.
1: It does sound very, like, soundtrack Like, theme song or closing song. This feels like that feeling, like, when
2: you'd have somebody in your car, and you'd be like, dude, listen to this song, and then you'd be like, huh? <laughs>
1: it's, it's great, right? Uh, the difference dude, is... No, right here, right here, right here. <laughs> No, 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 listen. listen. Oh, I gotta put it back.
0: Yeah. The difference is we have a friend that'll actually fade it out for us. That's, nice. <laughs> uh, that's probably enough. We can bring it down. That's great. Thank you. Uh, one awesome <laughs> perfect, perfect fade. Sorry. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> one thing i, I thought of uh, before we get back into it, mostly, but it's like at the very beginning, it's got this kind of uh orchestral feel to it and I actually felt very holiday y listening to it amongst oh. amongst Christmas music, you know yeah and
2: it, it it's interesting like. It it was definitely, you know, uh, if you know anything or care at all about the the life and career of Elvis Costello, it was uh, the second album that it wasn't Elvis Costello in the Attractions. It was yeah. like When He Went Away. It was the first Elvis Costello album that I got into. I mean, I grew up, I'm 100 years old, so <laughs> there were classic rock radio stations that I would hear, you know, Pump It Up or Watching the Detectives mm-hmm. or whatever, but I didn't really have any personal connection, and this song came out when I was in high school, and for some reason this album just really got me. And he this the dude who produced the album is this guy named Mitchell Froome, who yeah. was kind of a he had a lot of work in the nineties, but it was very like kitchen sinky and he like a lot of arrangements and a lot of weird instrumentation and things like that. And not everybody dug that, but I got
0: into yeah. it. Yeah. Now this is the album's called Mighty Like a Rose, is that right? Yes. Nineteen ninety yes. one.
2: Which also at the time I didn't know that that was actually a quote. Uh, there's actually a song called "Mighty Like a Rose" that 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 the title is referencing. Mm, yeah. I thought it was just something he came up with, and I've always loved that title as sort of a uh, like a a battle cry or sort of a, a, a way to try to live. I think as a, as a an aspiring or working artist, uh, the idea of being so vulnerable there's like a bravery to that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. to be, to be strong, to be strong enough to be weak. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I think there's, that always kind of spoke to me.
1: Cause wasn't it also uh, not supposed to be an Elvis Costello album album at all? Like, I think he wanted to put it out under his own name.
2: Yes. He wanted to put out under the name of Declan McManus, which his full name is Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus. Wow. Uh, and I walked by him on Broadway in 52nd ones and I watched him walk by me, and for two whole blocks, I watched him walk away. And I was... I was gonna run up and be like, Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus? Because I thought, like, then he'll know I'm a real fan. And I I managed to not do that. Congratulations. yeah, (laughs) That's
0: that's good. Uh, So, uh, backing up, you said that this song was like one of those songs that you felt like was one of your songs, right? Yeah. I
2: didn't know anybody else who liked it, and so I could kind of Uh, ascribe my own sort of relationship to it and I'm not I'm not one of those people who hangs a lot on lyrics for for, you know I I mean I love great lyrics but I don't I'm not one of those people I'd much rather talk you know I care more about melodies and things like that but the lyrics in the song are so great and I didn't really realize it at the time but it very closely tracks to a girl I was dating Mm. at the time the album (laughs) came out and I didn't realize it at the time but you know there's a great line in the song that says, uh, uh, Look at yourself. You see, you're still so young. You haven't earned the weariness that sounds so jaded on your tongue, which is so exactly. Because I went to school, <laughs> I went to a performing arts high school, and like everybody was writing in a journal, and everybody had their torn sweaters and their black turtlenecks. Mm-hmm. I wore a, like fake John Lennon glasses my entire senior year high school, <laughs> like the circular kind that uh-huh. were just plain glass. And it. <laughs> Yeah, I was that kid, and, but that line like so described this girl that I was obsessed with in high mm-hmm. school. That that sort of feeling of this world where he kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow and Royal Tenenbaums. That sort of like, yeah, I've seen it all, you know. Uh, yeah. So it really hit me.
0: Was there? Um, now you went to a performing arts high school. You said I did my
2: junior and senior high school. Yeah,
0: it was there. Um, a, like was was Elvis popular? At that time, no, I didn't
2: know anybody who liked him. There was one yeah. dude in high school, and he was like a like a like a music obsessive. But like, I mean, he he was like he played like twelve instruments, and he was one of those guys, yeah. you know, like home recording studio guy. And he was the only one I know who loved Elvis Costello. But it wasn't like a cool thing to be into Elvis <laughs> Costello by any means.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a cool thing tonight, which is that you really like this album and really like Elvis Costello, but so does our musical guest, Connor Ratliff. Well, that works out (laughs) (laughs) conveniently. And Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like one of your favorite albums, right? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Kindred Spirits. you're right that widely everyone will just casually say it's one of his works. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. People write it off immediately. The one before this, Spike, was probably the one that had the probably most top 40 because he had Veronica, had Veronica on it, which mm-hmm. was like a big top 40 hit. And then this one, he had grown out like a weird beard and he had this sort yeah. of uh, Jerry Garcia look going yeah. and people weren't digging it.
1: When I looked up this album, uh, I had never seen Elvis Costello with the beard and the long hair. So I looked up Elvis Costello in 1991 and this weird bearded man with sunglasses appeared in a ponytail, an intense ponytail.
2: It's not a good look. on no, it. no. <laughs> I mean, I I saw – I have a kind of a – I don't know if a theory is the right word, but something I've kind of noticed that a lot of bands or a lot of artists rather, they, they go through a phase – you know, and whatever their artistic middle age, where they feel like they have to completely change the way they look. Yeah. And eventually they find their way back to the way they originally looked the whole time. Like Robert plant did that where all of a sudden he cut his hair short and he was wearing like early eighties sort of skinny ties Mm -hmm. and stuff. And eventually he became Robert plant again. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but Elvis Costello was the same way. Like this was his kind of, you know, you don't know me phase. Yeah. But
0: now, uh, He's like just such an incredibly prolific songwriter. Yeah. um, That for whatever reason, uh, going through high school, probably a little bit later than you, it was like probably that's very sweet to say. (laughs) (laughs) Like you know, like a decade, a decade, maybe Uh, about a decade. Um, He was like he was kind of in that category of legendary, but no one, like, listened to him actively. And it was really his first two yeah. albums that everyone knew and everyone kind of, like, referenced. And- he
2: hadn't hit that sort of legacy period of his career. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. the way Bowie was in the 90s, where it's another, like, I, I have this weird thing where I tend to love the album that nobody else loves of, like, that career artist. Sure. Like, I'm the guy who loves the new stuff, which most <laughs> people don't, you know? And I was the same way with Bowie through the 90s. Like, I was a big defender of all of those albums yeah. when... They, they weren't like l- around long enough to sort of be in the canon, so to speak. But, you know, they were just sort of embarrassing to most people looked at them and were like, eh, you know, that's yeah. what I really get into.
0: <laughs> Does that make you feel um, like more like a fan of that artist?
2: There's got to be like a pretentious sort of, yeah. you know, I don't like what everybody else likes attitude. There's got to be an angle of that. You know, uh, there's a great book called Advanced Genius Theory which anyone who cares about music and pop culture should read. Yeah. Jason Cantor. I can't, I'm going to get his name wrong, but he has this theory that when musicians that you love start making music that you don't love, it's that they have gone to a level of genius that you can't appreciate that. It's like, if you loved, yeah, that you're wrong. (laughs) That like, if you loved, I'm trying to think of what a good example is. Uh, you know, if you loved Bob Dylan when he put up Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. And he, then he starts putting out albums that you don't like. Well, he's a, you already agreed that you love this guy and he's a genius. So maybe your brain just isn't able to sort of go to that level. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess I had a little bit of that in me, that sort of idea of like, oh, man, you guys are just in for the scene when the real music happens. You took off, you know, but <laughs> yeah. that's just pretense.
1: I do think there's probably some level of also just supporting the guy. Uh through the music that might be weird it might be music that's uh, not accepted by everybody, and it's yeah. because it's an artist you like. I mean,
2: I love I love the idea of sort of an artistic middle finger of you know of yeah. somebody being like, yeah, I know this isn't going to work. Like, I know it's not going to sell. Like, I don't mean to keep going back to Bowie because you know, but but uh, I remember I saw in the '90s uh, Bowie toured with Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I went to see it, and Nine Inch Nails was huge at the time, sure. and Bowie couldn't have been lamer. <laughs> you know it was yeah. like he could not he was at like his nader, you know popularly <laughs> but because Trent Reznor was such a Bowie fan he yeah. demanded that Bowie headlined and ha- mm-hmm. you know halfway through the show and they even blended it that were like Nine Inch Nails did their set and then Bowie came on and they did like five or six songs together basically as a way to like please don't leave like essentially yeah. it was what they were doing huh. and rather than doing an intermission and still like all the Fifteen-year-olds who had the "I want to fuck you like an animal" t shirt <laughs> <laughs> they all they all took off. But uh, but I, I but he didn't care, and I, I always admire that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, like I feel like Neil Young has a big history of kind of not giving a shit about what people. <laughs> yeah, care like like, but but to you know musically bad consequences. And all oh that, yeah, the, you're, have... you're,
2: you know your 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 hit rate is going to be very low. Yeah, there, there's do you know the the, uh, the Neil Young album Trans?
0: That's the one that's like uh super electronic.
2: Yeah, right? yeah, like Neil, Neil Young yeah. put out like a Kraftwerk album in like the <laughs> early 90s. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It's like yeah, all like vocoder yeah, yeah. and like synthesizers and stuff, and it's just like who wanted that? Nobody. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I can't
0: remember the name of the album, but he put out like a rockabilly album in the mid to late 80s, I think too. That's yeah, I don't even know. I mean, it's straight up like all pink on the cover. He's wearing like white white wing shoes, you know, and <laughs> Uh, got his hair slicked back and it's just a it's like a rockabilly album it's the craziest thing but then after years and years and years I think in the early 2000s he put out is it called Glendale was like this um, I'm not not a huge (laughs) he put out he put out a rock opera um, that was great and toured it and like played the full narrative of it and it was just one of those things where you know he was on classic rock radio stations but then all of a sudden he was relevant again musically and I mean it was a good album
2: yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us, you know, we we, we love songs uh, not only because they're great songs, but because we are reminded of the period in our lives when they came out. And so yep. obviously those years between, say, 13 and 25, which are the most memory packed years of anyone's life, you're going to instinctively want to gravitate back to that music that you were listening to then. But that's not something i feel like i want to hang on the artist him or herself do you know what i mean that it's like i you know uh you know i was gonna say prince as if he hadn't (laughs) passed away but it's like prince could put out 20 fucking terrible albums it doesn't make purple rain any less awesome (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah i don't understand this idea of like oh they're ruining their legacy fuck you that's your limitation not them you know
1: Yeah, yeah exactly um And like going back to that, like 13, you know, the music that, you know, then uh, there was somebody I knew that uh, a band had put out one album that was, you know, pretty well known. And then the second album came out and, you know, some bands, the second album's not great. And that just happens. Um, But he so vehemently hated this album that he emailed the singer of the band you know, we were like 15, and he was like, you suck, and here's all of the reasons why you have ruined my life, and retroactively ruined that previous album. And then all I remember is the guy replying and just being like, hey, like, I'm sorry you don't like it, but I wasn't even in the band for the first album, so like... <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: but, I mean, I do want... I do. I will say that there are certainly, there's a band, like sometimes you'll see a band and you'll, you, a band will come out with a debut album and you'll love it yeah. and then the second album will come out and you'll be like oh this is just what they do and it does kind of erode slightly sure. your love of that first album but that's not their fault they're just yeah. making art yeah. like it or don't like it Just you know.
0: so I, it occurs to me that you know you could probably, re- probably have a lot of thoughts on that especially because you've been an artist pretty much your whole adult if life if we're calling right? comedians artists yes. <laughs> we'll, on make this stage, yes. we'll make the leap we'll make the leap but i I have to think that there's a certain amount of understanding that you have that maybe a lot of people don't have right
2: well i I, I hope so I mean I, I'd like to think that that there is an empathy that you develop when you are working in a creative field that that uh, that carries through um, but at the end of the day it's just you know I don't know I don't know how to explain it exactly but there's a I mean I hate to use the Star Wars as an analogy but it's like there's there's a force out there. There's like a, there's like a, there's a river of fucking artistic perfection that artists can some, sometimes tap into. Yeah. And sometimes you just get lucky, you know, you yeah. come up with the perfect combination of notes, the perfect song, the perfect yeah. arrangement, the perfect production. Yeah. And if when that happens, you should just be happy that it exists and not be upset that Oh well, album three and album four weren't as awesome, you know. And yeah. and, and if you can find someone who can do that more than f- like, if you find an artist that can come out with more than five great songs, that's to be cherished. I think you know. Yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's my job to sort of get mad at an artist for not maintaining some arbitrary standard that I set when I was fifteen.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. There. This is probably a misappropriated quote, but I, Willie Nelson has. As far as I know, some quote about, you know, people ask him how he's written so many songs and he, he had has such a long career, and he said it was like there's just a river of music that's up there, and I just pluck out these little pieces of it, and if I get lucky, I pick the right ones, you know. Yeah, um, and,
2: and that, that one of the things I I love about Elvis Costello and this song as well as a number of his songs is that he he's very complicated with the way he writes his songs so that it's not just a repeating phrase like the verses aren't just like ba yeah. ba like they usually the the melodically it evolves over you know 30 <laughs> seconds will be one long melodic phrase as opposed to just sort of repeated 5 seconds over yeah. and over again and that's a, a real degree of difficulty thing i mean that's it, you don't have to do that to get a pop hit but there's something in him that says i want to try to go for something a little more chewy. You know, I that my favorite my favorite artists write songs that are kind of exist in that sort of half lowbrow, half highbrow range, you know, yeah. where it's not classical music, it's not an opera, but it's not you know it's not it's not totally simple either. There's something in between, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. this song is a good example, right? Cuz they come out of the he comes out of the chorus, at least the first one, and he goes into what almost sounds like kind of um like a post-chorus element to a song or like a coda or something, but it's really just the beginning of the next verse and he never gives you the moment to break.
2: Yeah, it goes like, you and know, really most songs are like A, B, A, C, or it's like yeah. A, B, C, B, A, C, B. Like, it's completely wonky. Uh, and this is, I'm I'm talking about things that I don't have the musical vocabulary Same. to really <laughs> to, uh, express, but it's just not your simple, it's not, you know, uh fucking... Um, wild thing you know it's not it's yeah not, which yeah. is wild thing is fine for what it is but it's something a little more evolved than that
1: yeah and i did hear him uh i think he was on npr talking about like the way he writes his songs and like coming up as punk music was starting and you know enjoying the intensity of that and um i guess his father was a musician too and they would play like the first uh they're playing like dance music on guitar. So like stuff that ended up turning into ska music and stuff. Um, But he was talking about this idea of like the intensity of punk music and like how you can get that from just like a couple of power chords. And then he was talking about seeing Crosby, Stills and Nash and getting that same intensity, but out of like songs that just felt more delicate. And I think that's the thing that, because I hadn't really ever listened to Elvis Costello and you know going back and like going into it and like diving deep it's like yeah they're, some of the songs can be I'll very- make you a playlist <laughs> <laughs> please do but um, yeah it's like that the fact that you can grab also not only like good songs but like intensity out of places that are uh, you know a little more pretty than just like a song that's going to come out and like punch you in the face
2: yeah i mean the the thing I like about alice Costello is that the songs reveal themselves over like a hundred listens as opposed to over two listens yeah you know that that there are little uh nuggets in all of his great songs and even some of his not so great songs where you only really hear them the twentieth time you go through it. we are like, oh wow, I didn't even not not just a lyric but just a weird little thing where maybe one line will go a little longer than the other lines for some reason, you know, or there might be some strange bridge that, you know, shouldn't be there, you know, in in sort of pop songwriting 101, but uh, there's just, there's just, there's something there, there's just some meat on the bone, you know
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah he, uh, I've never seen him live Um, so the only thing I've ever seen performed of his live, I believe, was uh, an orchestral song he wrote, I saw it performed by the Boston Symphony Orchestra and I remember it was like one of those things where they only announced it after they had done it. Like, oh, oh yeah. this this piece was written by Elvis Costello. And uh, I think I must have been like 20. And it kind of blew my mind because I didn't know that he could do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I saw him live the night before the election. So it was my last moment of joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he, he uh, played the Beacon Theater and he played uh, one of his... One of my favorite albums of all time, Imperial Bedroom, and he played the whole song. I mean, yeah. he played thirty-three songs. Wow, that's amazing! And he's you know in his early sixties, which yeah. is not nothing, you know. And yep. it was uh, it's probably a three and a half hour show. And uh, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, thirty would have been okay. <laughs> uh, you know, like once you get past the two and a half hour mark, you know that thing with Springsteen too it's just kind of like, all right, you know, <laughs> got babysitter, uh, but. um <laughs> But it it was it was really great and uh, it just really does give you an appreciation for the breadth of, you know, artistry over the course of the guy's career, you know. Yeah. The ability. I mean, how many people can do a 33 song show and still he didn't play 20 songs that I wish he'd played?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. Um, So back to this 50 plus list. Yes. So run us through some other artists who are on that list.
2: Well, the, the five, I mean, the five, the five that I, you know, kind of think of are, are Bowie, Prince, Stevie Wonder, the Beatles and and Elvis Costello. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it's a it's an exclusive club in the sense that you have to have a catalog that merits. Yeah. You, know, you have, yeah, to have yeah, at yeah. least a certain number of albums to do that. But um, I, you know, I was in a, a bunch of years ago. I did a, a month long tour in Australia with a few other comics and. Um, and i was in on the road for 30 days in a in a van in various planes with like people i didn't really know and i we would be on these little planes that would go from tiny little australian cities you know and and the flights would maybe be 45 minutes long so you couldn't even turn on your at the time iPod or whatever yeah um and so i just had this notebook and i started to do this thing where i wrote down all my favorite Elvis costello songs i listed every single one i could think of and then i went through each one and gave them an a b or a c like wow. are they in the top third the middle third or the bottom third and then i went through the a's and i ranked the a's and then i ranked the b's <laughs> and then i ranked the c's so i have like an actual written on paper list of my top 50 in order of each of the that's artists. awesome <laughs> you know which you know <laughs> Is completely and utterly useless. There's so many, <laughs> so many ways I could have spent my time, but that was kind of a fun thing to do when yeah. you're sitting on a plane for a half an hour and you have nothing to do. Have you done it
1: with any of the other artists?
2: Uh, I did all five. Oh, okay. Yeah, good, yeah. Good, yeah, good. All, yeah, yeah. I just, did all five. Just yeah. making sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not fucking around. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's probably artists that I have songs that I like more mm-hmm. yeah. or as much as any of those five, but maybe four songs or five songs, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but it's just. You know, when you go through like Stevie Wonder's catalog, there's just so many great songs. You know, it's 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 an embarrassment of riches.
0: Maybe this is uh, attempting to be like uh, uh, to over-explain something, but so there might be overlap here. But for each of those five artists, I'm wondering if you could give like a one sentence thing of like what is it about that artist that is the thing? You know, like all that right, I'm so great.
2: Okay, uh, I would say with the Beatles. I mean, it's the Beatles, <laughs> uh, but I, th- I think with the Beatles is there is that feeling sometimes when you, some of the great Beatles songs is that it's almost like they found the exact perfect notes mm-hmm. like every like the, the great Beatles songs. They're watertight. They're perfect. You know, Eleanor Rigby is a perfect song. Like there's not a note out of place. Everything is exactly where it's supposed to be, whereas like Stevie Wonder, it's almost the opposite in a way it's It's almost like this feeling that when I listen to like songs in the key of Life or whatever it's this feeling of just freedom and that it's almost like uh like a box that you can't fit everything into you know yeah. you just feel this musicality just jumping all over everywhere and uh and i I honestly might say the same thing about Prince I don't know if that's a race thing I, I wonder like i, I don't like I, I often think that you know and this is where I, this is start, where it starts to turn into a eugenics lecture but uh, <laughs> But but I I uh, I do sometimes feel like there is a difference in terms of uh, quote unquote black music and white music, especially of the sixties and seventies. It's almost like they a width as opposed to depth thing. Not that one is better than the other, but there is uh like the great white songwriters of the sixties and seventies. It's almost like they isolate this sort of very airtight perfect yeah. melody. Whereas like a lot of the great black songwriters make you realize just how much possibility there is, you know, and it's almost a, a slightly different impulse. I'm talking slightly out my ass here, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but but when I listen to Stevie Wonder, it's more just like being blown away by the artistry and uh, and with with Bowie, I don't, I mean, Bo, I guess Bowie's kind of somewhere in the middle in the sense that that obviously he write he writes great pop songs, but there's always something in a Bowie song that. N- how, why would he do that? Like, why would he think yeah. of like, why would he like even chord changes? Like, why would you go to that chord there? Or why, what does that lyric mean? You know, there's, it's, it's much more of kind of like a Pandora's box. Then yeah. like, like there's just, there's something to think about in every song. And yeah. So I don't know if that's, if there's any sense to be made of anything <laughs> I just said.
0: Yeah. No, I think there is. That's, uh, I think there's a lot of like, there's always overlap with artists you love. I think, um, and somehow, I'd, yeah, I I do feel like there's always like these little differences, and that 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 difference between perfection versus uh, exploration or possibility is a really is a really good one. Yeah. Um.
2: I mean, th- that, that's just these specific artists, yeah, obviously. It's yeah, like, yeah. but there's there's something that that I know that when I listen to, uh, you know, the White Album or something like that, like I'm always just a gog at the the sparsity of it in a good way. That it's like, oh my God, that is exactly the melody that should have been. There's nothing else that should be there, you know. Yeah. You listen to like Dear Prudence; and it's like every note is exactly where it should be. And then when I listen to something like, you know, I don't know, uh, Sir Duke, you know, which of course you've heard a million times now, so it doesn't have the same effect on you. But the first time I heard that, it just felt like, my God, this dude is just coming from a different planet. Like, yeah. how how did he come up with that? You know that. You know, it's so weird, yeah. you know, to to a suburban white kid's mind. That's yeah. like a weird melodic decision, you know.
1: Did or, you find all this stuff through like, like at the same time as Elvis Costello, so like high school, or just like I don't know. Over time? Um,
2: I would say later. Yeah. I mean, I I was into like metal when I was a kid. Like I was hair metal. I was in a hair metal band in junior nice. high, and Sweet. we played like Doc covers and stuff. So, what was the band's name? Fallout. Nice, hell yeah! And and was was the O in the logo a radiation symbol? Yes. (laughs) We rocked the Acton Boxborough uh, R.J. Gray Junior High School dance. (laughs) Uh, Nice. Yeah, it was awkward. I was the lead singer, and I had to bring all the songs down an octave (laughs) because you know, in the '80s, like all the metal songs were like you know you know and i would always have to be like more than a feeling like it was, it was very, yeah wasn't we weren't good
0: <laughs> uh god yeah i'm sure you're one of uh infinite numbers of those bands that were not good yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh back to the the stevie wonder song i thought of uh was i believe and how, like, at the end of that song, he starts to show you what he could really do with the song, and it just fades out. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it like, does
2: get weird. Yeah, but it's to... uh,
0: it's almost my favorite part of the song, and you get it for the least amount of time. Yeah,
2: well, and it's like Stevie Wonder, you know, lyrically, you're not going to get much out of. <laughs> honestly, it's like there's it's not they're not particularly great lyrics in my yeah. mind, but uh, but just overflowing with just musical ideas, just constantly, just you know the. You always get the feeling, it's kind of like when you see like Steph Curry play basketball or whatever, and you're like, this dude could do anything at any moment, and nobody can do anything fucking about it. You know, and it's just, (laughs) and you, that's, you know, you see Stevie Wonder, the dude now, you see him now, and it's just like his instrument is just so out of fucking control, and his just ability to uh, just. I mean, it's, obviously, it's not improvised; it's all written. But, but the the freedom he seems to have, you know, I you know always am, admire, you know. Whereas I always feel like, you know, Paul McCartney probably, you know, really bangs out every fucking note. You yeah.
1: Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, what's it like for you being a being a music fan in like 2016, maybe versus, um. I guess high school or college. I mean, I think obviously what you're talking about with memory and how you like associate songs is super different. But also, just um, I don't know, kind of the the ritual of it or the habit of it. Because I feel like that's changed a lot in recent years.
2: It is completely changed, and of course, I don't like it as much. But it's not up to me. It's not. It's not my decision. It, the, I, I'm sure that you know. I have memories of sitting with a stupid I would take one of my mom's crappy Mozart's greatest hits tapes that she got off of, you know, K Tel or whatever and I you know, you'd get these cassette tapes and you would stick little wads of paper in the top little holes so that you could record over them. Mm-hmm. That was a, a thing that you did. You have a little <laughs> tape recorder and uh, and so i would i would make mixtapes just that were over just whatever cassette tapes i'd find around my house and i would sit in front of the radio and just wait for songs i liked and then i would yeah. tape them you know and so the beginnings of the songs would always have like dj's talking yeah, yeah, over yeah. them yeah. and that to me was a a really powerful like connection to music because i actually had to spend there were actual hours involved you know there was yeah. time spent trying to capture this music that was just out there and a person who's young today doesn't have that same relationship, but I'm I I feel like such a cranky old yeah twat uh, for lack of a better word uh, <laughs> just to 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 say that their experience is worse or better than mine it's just different you know everyone yeah. kind of comes to it with uh, what's what's available at the time but yeah. you know I, I I I do think though I do think that there is a value missing to music when you can stream everything. I do think that it's hard to really get wrapped up in a song when it's available to you at all times. You, you know, yeah that, you know, there there's there's something special. And also I don't think you know songs as well as I know personally, granted I'm older now, but I the songs I learned, the songs I loved when I was in my teens, I know every note of because if you were in the car you had to actually take the CD out and put another one in. And yeah. a lot of times it was just easier to just let that same CD play. <laughs> yeah. And so you would hear those songs over and over again, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. now it's like, I, mean, even when, when iPods came out 10 years ago or whatever, I, you know, how often do you actually hear the last 20 seconds of a song at this point? Like even, yeah. even a song that you love, like once you, you know get to it's the ending, part, So yeah, just, like, yeah, you just bump to the next one, you know? Yeah. And, and so, um, it's certainly a different relationship now, but I, I, of course I think it's worse, but I'm not going to say so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I used to uh, record to a cassette tape for my station wagon. And so I would have the same thing with, like, you know, the DJ talking over stuff. But uh, I always, en- not enjoyed, but, like, there were certain songs that I never knew the end to. Because there was, like, enough room on the tape to, like, record part of a song. But then the tape would end and the song was still going. So, like, I just never knew. Or, like, when they censored the lyrics of a song... So you'd get like a bleep or like, uh, I remember in Kid Rock's ball with a oh, I think we all have our ball ball <laughs> memories, but they censored, uh, I don't know, Kid Rock being a badass by doing like a record scratch and having it say radio edit. <laughs> and like I love that. That's like the cool way of like censoring. Yeah. It like, We're totally censoring this. <laughs> I think that's the only thing I remember about that song though. You're such a liar. It's the one thing that like stands out every word. (laughs) Take off my shirt,
0: Kid Rock tattoo.
2: (laughs) His name is Kid Uh.
0: (laughs) Rock. Yeah, I mean that's what it's it's it feels impossible to separate out this difference of like uh, being beyond the age where I'm gonna engage so hard with the songs that I care about. Uh, and how media has changed. Like, it feels really hard to separate those things out. Um, but I do agree. It's like, especially the kind of, r- the the basically the quantity that you're hearing something just seems way down now.
2: Yeah, I mean, there personally. are songs that I love and, and there are songs that other people love. You know, now the thing is, you know, a band kind of a a a legacy artist or or like a band that is thought of as being like hasn't put out an album like my bloody valentine or or frank ocean you know they'll they'll put out an album and there'll be three months of hype like when's it gonna come out when's the new frank ocean album gonna come out and that ends up being what it is and then a week after the album is out nobody's talking about it anymore because it was way more about the sort of stupid blog entries than it was about the album (laughs) itself you know um And I mean, that's just a sort of a a byproduct of, of, you know, Internet culture. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I really do try to like if I like a song, I try to make myself listen to it a lot just so that it it takes takes root in my brain somewhere. You know,
0: a lot of uh, you know, a lot of people will talk to or that I know will will kind of like admit in a sort of guilty feeling way that they just listen to the same song on repeat a lot. And then they just like find a new song, listen to that on repeat. And I think I like tease them for that. Like I, I understand their like guilty feeling. Um, Cause in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I'd rather listen to the album. And it's a very pretentious thing to do. Um, but it's, it's possible that like they're getting more of what I experienced way back then than I am now, because I'm, there's no way I'm going to listen to a full album as much as I would have.
2: I that Yeah, thing. I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, there, there are songs... There are rat songs and uh, <laughs> and old Motley Crue songs yeah. or whatever where I know I can sing the solos. I can sing the guitar solos because I know them, like, yeah. note yeah. for yeah, note. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a better way of experiencing music than, than listening to a thousand different songs once, but it's different, you know? <laughs> I think it's different.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a focus thing, too. Yeah. Because, like, it's not just music that we have too much of it's it's everything your phone is everything so to be able to like your phone is everything it's almost
2: like a black mirror
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well uh, for people listening to podcast five heads just exploded <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they went back together because they're not real humans <laughs> um
1: Yeah, I think Black Mirror probably sums it up better than I could. Uh. (laughs) But
2: yeah, I mean, like I said, I I don't think that one way is inherently better than the other. I mean, there's ways that I prefer. I mean, I I prefer to actually spend some time. One of the things I I like, uh, you know, my wife and I, we have a little cabin up in the woods that we sort of go to 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 hide from the world. Yeah, And, uh, you know, we have just one of those little dumb... Bose sound SoundDocs which 7 years ago was the height of technology mm-hmm. but now it's like a Victrola. Uh, <laughs> but um but I have an old iPod that n- I don't think anything you know I think n- since we bought that thing it stayed up there it's, I don't think anything in the last 5 years is on that iPod yeah. because I don't even have an adapter to sync that iPod <laughs> anymore but I'll just find some old playlist and just let it play while I'm doing my thing and there's no TV or anything like that and and I feel like I am able to enjoy music in a way that reminds me of the way I used to enjoy music, you know, which is, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's makes it better or worse, but it makes, gives me those, it gives me the feels.
0: (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) What, um, kind of going back to this idea, uh, you know, you spent years as a comedian and how does,
2: some might say I'm still spending those years. No, you are. Why is past tense? Uh, have you heard something I haven't heard? No. You're going to wait till after the show. <laughs> you were kicked out of the union.
0: <laughs> uh, but I wonder, like, um, I don't know, how you view the career of a comedian. Uh, Versus a musician, if you think those are very similar things, or if they have their like obvious differences
2: well, I mean there's sort of a, a cliche which is I completely embody, so i can 't say it's bullshit, <laughs> is that every comedian wants to be a musician mm-hmm. and every musician wants to be a comedian you know um, uh, I think the thing that you know, I didn't have the discipline when I was young. I, I took guitar lessons when I was a little kid, and then my guitar teacher died. <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> so uh, sorry, <laughs> no, guys, I'm I'm still dealing with it. Uh, <laughs> no, I took guitar lessons for like maybe ten weeks, yeah. and then my guitar teacher got in a guitar and a guitar accident, a car. <laughs> 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 it, was a, it was a brutal guitar accident. <laughs> It's very Spinal Tap. I don't know if you ever seen the cover of London Calling where he's smashing that bass. Yeah, he just yeah. beat my. Ah. No, uh, I don't know, um, no, he got in a car accident. and He died, and then the the school was like, "Sorry, you know." And, and there's a, "We'll get you a new guitar teacher." And then I just never heard from them again. And then I never went back to it. And and I always have the like, you know, oh, that was where the fork happened. And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, the sliding doors. No, um, but uh, I. I do think sometimes I do get jealous of musicians sometimes in the sense that I feel like they're able to use the entire emotional palette more than comedians are. You know, if you're in a really fun, silly mood, you can write a fun, silly song. If you're in an angry mood, you can write an angry song. Whereas with comedy, I mean, yeah, you can write angry comedy and all that. But but it all still has to be filtered through the I need to elicit laughter, uh, which sometimes can feel a bit like a... (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little like, uh, I wish I could just be angry and that'd be okay. You know?
1: So if you were able to start a band up, would you go back to your, uh, hair metal band or
2: boy, there is something I will
1: say, you know, uh,
2: for as much as, as much as I love, you know, really intellectual music or whatever, you know, stuff that's quote unquote smart. Uh, when I hear a great chunky eighties, like distorted guitar. Like there is just something in my brain that just like, yup. Like there's <laughs> like a weird, you know, uh, and it's embarrassing. I mean, I, I I don't think that I don't like it when people say I used to do a music podcast and uh I was interviewing a guy once about uh guilty pleasures and he's a very smart dude. He wrote this book on MTV, which is fucking great, called uh uh I want my MTV, which is being turned into a movie. Um but he uh he said that he didn't believe in guilty pleasures and i understand a lot of people feel like that like if you like it you shouldn't be ashamed of it and i do believe in guilty pleasures because (laughs) i believe that there is that sort of weird gap between like who you were and who you want to be you know who you are and who you want to be and there's some of that music that falls in between it's like man this does not define the person i want to be at all but man i just (laughs) it's doing something to me it's you know it's and so I, get that. I still get into, I still listen to a lot of, you know, I'll put on Journey's Greatest Hits and, you <laughs> yeah. know, and really feel <laughs> it in a way that maybe I wouldn't feel an Elvis Costello song, you know?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: It's a different part of my brain.
0: Yeah. That is like a purely pleasure-seeking yeah. part of your brain. Yeah,
2: it's just like, it's, yeah, it's the equivalent of just a Big Mac or a slice of pizza. It just feels fucking perfect, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's so bad, but it's so good, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Christian, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank
2: you for having me. Yeah.
0: Good up for me. <laughs> Guys, the great thing about our musical guests is that they are incredible. Um, so please welcome those two gentlemen to the stage. <laughs> to listen to Conor Aleph and Mikey Erg cover All Grown Up, Pause this episode and head over to repeater.show where you can stream that shit. Or you can wait until after the episode. Whatever floats your boat. Let's imagine you just listened to it.
1: Wow, what a cover. Connor put so much love into that rendition. You can really tell he's a fan. And now here are Connor and Mikey with some secular holiday songs. Now
3: Mikey and I mostly write holiday songs. And uh, this first song is about how the holidays last uh, a long time, but we think it's just the right amount. (laughs) November 1st, 6 a.m. That's when Christmas begins. It's Happy Halloween all night long and then you throw those pumpkins in the garbage bins. Christmas comes but once a year two full months of yuletide cheer you got november and december and the reason is clear it's cause christmas is the best and that's fine with me i wish we could have more i'd like a year-round always open christmas store you know i know what i like and i simply adore the most wonderful time of the year when it starts to snow, I say, well, hey, that's nice I like a big old blizzard and some slippery ice I like to drink eggnog, I like the candy canes. They call me Mr. Christmas, yeah, I changed my name <gasps> Hurry up, Christmas, oh, pretty please Thanksgiving dinner's like a Christmas tease You know, I really can't wait to open all my gifts I'd rather quit my job than work a Christmas shift You know what I don't like? I don't like New Year's Eve Because when it rolls around, well, I can barely believe that I will have to wait another ten whole months to get that holiday feeling that I really want. Christmas comes but once a year, two full months of Yuletide cheer. You got November and December, and the reason is clear it's God's Christmas. Yeah, 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 Christmas. A whole Christmas is the best. Christmas and no one wants me today no way every other day of the year I'm feeling great because everyone wants me but I'm a pizza I'm a pizza and there's one thing that you can say no one wants a pizza on Christmas day 364 days a year Pizzas for dinner Pizzas right here Everyone's ordering pizza pies Get a whole one Grab a slice But when Jesus has his birthday That's when pizzas have their worst day Cause no one wants a pizza on Christmas day No, 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 no No one wants a pizza on Christmas Day And I'm a pizza um, This one's sort of a Christmas song We we put out an EP this summer That was uh, actually just an anti-summer EP <laughs> um, But I think it's appropriate Standing in the sunshine Sweating like a dog Shelly turns to Jimmy, says, do you want to take a walk? Jimmy says he'd like to, but he feels better in the shade. Shelly turns to Jimmy, says, let's go get some lemonade. And so he follows her, his skin is burning red. Bright as it can be outside, he wishes he was dead. Shelly turns to look at him, and this is what he said. Three or four showers a day Gotta keep changing my clothes Why do you like summertime? Nobody knows Summer isn't springtime Summer isn't fall Summer is not Christmas And that's the saddest fact of all Ain't no jingle bells At least none that I can see In fact, it's hot as hell and that's no way to be shelley says i love the sun i love the way it burns i love the way i sweat all day i don't care who it hurts i love the fire in the sky the ocean levels rising summer takes what summer wants never compromising three or four showers a day gotta keep changing my clothes why do you like summertime nobody knows summer isn't springtime summer isn't fall summer is not christmas and that's the saddest fact of all ain't no deck the halls ain't no christmas tree (laughs) just sweating fireballs pain and misery jimmy says i hate the sun i hate the way it burns I hope someday it goes away I hope someday it learns That burning people isn't fun Unless you are a sadist I know you like the summer, Shelley, But you should know I hate this Hello there, I am the sun I like to burn people for fun I'm no good for anyone I am the sun, I am the sun If you think that I am fun Then I think that you are dumb All I want to do is burn you, all I want to do Three or four showers a day (laughs) Gotta keep changing my clothes Why do you like summertime? Nobody knows Summer isn't springtime Summer isn't fall Summer is not Christmas And that's the fact, the fact of all We're gonna end on a downer uh, we we wrote a new song this is our Christmas single because we felt like we needed a song to reflect the new reality
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> because there wasn't one yet la 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 Maybe this could be the last Christmas. Maybe this could be the best Christmas. It sure don't feel like it did last Christmas. Better than all the rest Christmas. Let's try to make it not the worst Christmas. Right now it's feeling like a cursed Christmas. But who knows? No one knows. Who knows? Many people are saying that maybe we will not see Christmas next year. Not see Christmas. Maybe we will not see Christmas next year. I heard them say everything is gonna be all right. At least I think that's what they said. Go ahead, cook the Christmas goose, step aside, and make a miracle great again. Deck the hiles with vows of hollering, lock her up. Cuck, 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 Christmas time is here. I hope they don't go too fa-la-la-la-la. Rudy, with your view so right. Won't you join your Fuhrer's fight? Sessions with your robe so white. Bannon with your Bart so bright. Priebus, Flynn, Pompeo might see to it that you're shot on sight. Before Christmas, t'was the nightmare coming true. Soon, maybe this could be the last Christmas. Maybe this won't be the best Christmas It sure don't feel like it did last Christmas a Better than all the rest Christmas It's trying to make it not the worst Christmas Cause now it's feeling like a cursed Christmas And who knows? No one knows And who knows? But many people are saying that maybe we will not see Christmas next year, not see Christmas. Maybe we'll not see Christmas next year, not see Christmas. Maybe we will not see Christmas next year, Nazi Christmas. Maybe we will not see Christmas, next year. Nazi Christmas. Maybe we will not see Christmas next year, so have a Merry Christmas.
0: Christian Finnegan is one of the nicest guys in the world and we highly suggest you keep up to date with everything that's going on in his world by checking out his website, christianfinnegan.com or by following him on Twitter at Christ Finnegan. And if you're in NYC, going to see his show New Release Day, which happens on the fourth Monday of every month at QED in Astoria, a place we like a lot.
1: You can listen to all of Connor and Mikey's seasonal tunes at conorratliffmikeyerg.bandcamp.com you should definitely check out Mikey's new solo album, Tentative Decisions, available pretty much everywhere music is sold. Keep up with Connor on Twitter, at Connor Ratliff, and go see him perform every Friday and
0: Sunday night at the UCB Theater in New York City. Well, that was an absolute joy. Christian is such a huge music nerd. I definitely felt the need to step up my game after that conversation.
1: Oh, for sure. And how cool was it that fellow Elvis Costello superfan Connor Ratliff was playing music that night? It couldn't have been a better match.
0: And Mikey Erg, New York punker Mikey Erg, on our show. Ah, that was just the coolest.
1: A secular Christmas miracle. Let us rejoice.
0: Until next time, hit repeat.
1: Evan, put a festive shirt on.
3: Repeater is hosted by Evan Forbarden and Patrick Cartelli at QED in Astoria, Queens, a place to show and tell. Find out more at qedastoria.com. Our show is supported in part by Hi-Fi Records and Cafe in Astoria. Visit them from wherever you are at hi recordscom Editing by Stephen Garvey. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Loveness Productions. Welcome to Repeater.